But then the longer and longer he stared at it, the more he saw a silhouette of a woman combing her hair. So he just stared at it, he was like, okay. Once the streaming begins, the screaming will too. This is RPS. Radio Paranormal Singapore. Hello and welcome to RPS, the podcast where we detail, discuss and dissect your paranormal encounters. And as fun as it is to listen to personal stories of the supernatural, we also try to find some rational explanation to the most unexplainable experience. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't, but we always try to have fun doing it. My name is Timo, host and creator of the series, and this episode marks the last for 2023. And on behalf of the entire team, I just want to say thank you for your support over the years. We hope you've enjoyed the show so far, and we are looking forward to more in 2024. Now, before we get to the EBGBs, a reminder that should you have any of your own stories to share, you can reach us in a few ways. First, we are on Facebook at Radio Paranormal Singapore. Our email address, radioparanormalsingapore at gmail.com. And we are also available on WhatsApp and Telegram messenger services. Uh, You can find the full details over at our Facebook page. And finally, just a small request. If you enjoyed this podcast, all we ask is that you help us grow. Easiest way is to give us a five-star rating and a fair review on whatever platform you're listening from. And of course, please introduce us to your friends. All right. And with that, it is on to the show. In this episode, E.T. and I are joined by our fellow Baba bro Eugene Tay from Supernatural Confessions. And we're going to be delving into a series of encounters shared by Dax. With interviews conducted by Grand Inquisitor Sham, the first story takes us to the island of Pulau Takong, where a group of soldiers are conducting their national service military training. So these were stories that were shared to me from the seniors there. Uh, so one of it was actually the instructor's personal experience. So uh, when he was on course uh, as a junior, like junior commander, uh, they had to do go outfield, which is a normal thing for every soldier. So during his uh, mission, right, we do this thing called a uh, stand two. So like uh, stand two is more like uh, you're guarding the place overnight. So you all take turns to guard lah. So it could be like a two hour shift or three hour shift and things like that. I, I can't remember how what was the hours, but he was doing the night shift lah. So he was staying awake and uh, taking care of his uh, platoon mates uh. I remember he saying that he was the point man. So. The point man is the guy who's very at the tip of the platoon, so he looks forward. Lah. In his team of uh, people who are doing like, the guard duty or the, the stand two, uh, there's two other guys. So it's him and then two other guys with him. And in that small team, they also take turns, right? Yeah, so he, at the moment in time, he was the one awake. And then his two buddies were sleeping next to him. So he was sitting down and then he was looking uh, straight. Uh, and then in, in uh, Pulau Tekong, it's actually filled with a whole bunch of trees. So most of the time, you look straight, it's just uh, trees. Lah. But it just so happened, this instructor, uh, when he was looking straight, he noticed uh, some movement in the trees. So he was thinking that it could be a bird or owl or uh, some uh, form of animal. But the more and more he looked at it, the movement of the thing that he saw was very repetitive. So it was going from top to bottom, top to bottom, and then he, he found it quite weird. He said, what kind of animal does that? And then the longer and longer he stared at it, the more he saw a silhouette of a woman combing her hair. 
So he just stared at it. He was like, okay, uh, should I warn someone about it? So he woke his buddies up. So he's like, hey, bro, uh, can you wake up uh, and tell me what you're seeing in front? So the guy woke up and he stared exactly at the same place. The guy was like, hey, you look just straight ahead. Just straight ahead at that tree. Do you see something? So the guy looked at it for a while and then he went back to sleep. And then he was like, hey, bro, wake up. He's like, don't disturb me. I don't want to see anything. He just went back to sleep. And then he went, oh my God. Then he asked the other guy, like, hey, bro, bro, can you wake up? Can you wake up? Do you see what I'm seeing? And he's like, uh, never mind lah. Maybe it's our imagination. And then he went back to sleep. And so this guy panicked, right? He's like, hey, this is just not right. So he told that guy next to him, he said, hey, bro, you just like, you wake up for a while lah. I'm going to inform the instructor. So usually when they do missions in the middle of the night, there'll be an instructor there to take care of them, right? So he's like, okay, bro, please wake up. You just take care of the platoon for a while. I'm going to leopard crawl to the commander. Then the guy went, uh, I'll try lah. But can I close my eyes? He said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure you don't hear any movement. He said, okay, can. So the instructor leopard crawl to the center of the platoon because that's usually where the instructor sleeps. So he, he told me that the instructor was in a hammock. So he left put crawl to the bottom of the hammock. And then he the instructor, he was like, uh, Hey, instructor, instructor, uh, I think I see something. And then the instructor woke up and responded to him. Can you just don't disturb the lady? Let her comb her hair. Then the guy just froze for a while. And he left crawl back to his spot and he went to sleep. And then he woke up. There was no issue lah, but the fact is that the instructor knows what he was talking about is that it wasn't a one-time thing. It was actually a very common common sight for whoever went there lah. Radio Paranormal Singapore Oh, this is Pula Tokong we are talking about. Pula Tokong, everybody knows it's Hantu Central. So going for the It Must Be the Hantu is almost a no-brainer. But what I found extremely uh, interesting about this is the reaction of his his buddy where okay okay don't see don't see pretend don't see don't know right that's what I one of my rule number one when it comes to facing a hantu but see when we look at this kind of situation it's always easy to say um I'm, I'm preempting some of the skeptics who say, oh, it's Pulatokong, it's your imagination, you know, you're already thinking there's a ghost. But the fact that the instructor was able to say, let the woman comb her hair, that's a very specific description of what the hantu is doing. Uh, so I'm inclined to believe when you have that kind of validation, then what our confessor is seeing must be real. Maybe there is actually somebody, like maybe not a hantu, but a, a human who tends to go to this particular spot every night at Pulatakong to comb her hair. Maybe that's why everybody knows her. No, no, be that as it may, if I see a human being sitting on a tree at night, human, huh? not ghost, huh? combing her hair, I'm going to avoid her too. That girl's probably nutcase. <laughs> you mean you won't go and help her comb? Uh, oh, no. You missed the spot, darling. <laughs> Allow me. Okay, so in your opinion, this one is, without a doubt, is a hantu. Without a doubt. Uh. Mm. Alright, so let's see what's happening with E.T. Exactly like what they say. I think it was really funny to have such buddies. Uh, I mean, you wake the fool up and say, ay, 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 I want to sleep, lah. I don't know what, act blur. Um, the first thing that came to my mind, uh, could it be, you know, last time when we do all our exercises and everything, there was always this ninja van. Ninja van, like delivery? No, so this van is like the canteen auntie like that. Ah. So they sell snacks, lah, kopi, lah, everything to you. So I wonder 
you know, maybe the canteen auntie or the ninja van auntie was just there lah, and combing her hair, waiting for, you know, the the boys to come and buy snacks or something like that. I don't know. That could be a possibility. Um, but to me, right, I actually think that all the fellas around him were playing a prank on him because his buddies just seem too calm. And one thing I want to ask also is, how come this fella, he saw, let's say if it was really a hantu, how come he never run to the officer, he must leopard cross, yeah? Tactical. Yeah, leopard crawl, <laughs> then the hantu jump on his back, how? Huh? Maybe the hantu cannot see him. He's trying to avoid the hantu looking at him, so he's leopard crawl. Yeah, may- maybe he wasn't sure that it was 100% a hantu. Thought maybe it could still be a real person and ah. to avoid that person's gaze, I should get as low as possible. <laughs> Top soldier, this one. Well, uh, yes. heroes, yeah. Not just that, after that, he still leopard crawl back very, very steady for her. So, you think everybody was just one elaborate plan to punk this guy out. He says, okay, we're going to actually get one one of our, our friends to sit out there that we're going to make him look and this guy he's going to start asking everybody else around him and all of you are in on it okay all of you have to say oh I don't see anything or just leave the lady combing her hair alone okay the main reason why I thought it was a prank was because I think the officer was some distance away and before he could say anything the officer knew exactly what he saw if there was a certain haunting at a certain place it may not be always doing the same action. But if it's a residual haunting, yep. like a loop, right? Mm. The same image. We've spoken about this many, many times. Many people might have seen exactly the same thing. Yeah, I just want to say that. From what I know is usually with residual haunting, yes, it will be around the area, but they wouldn't be doing the same action all the time. Well, I think we've been watching very different horror movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a prank, really. To our viewers, what do you think? Terry says, it must be a hantu lah. Cannot be a ninja van. The ninja van auntie so late, still selling stuff, man. But Terry, sometimes times are tough. <laughs> you gotta hustle, right? If I'm a ninja van, I'll go there in the night because that's where I'll sell the most stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what a hungry army voice. Confirm. The other story that's uh, also in the East uh, and uh, Changi, right? I also heard from another instructor is that uh, they had like a coastal swim. So uh, it was at Changi Beach. Uh, so they're doing a coastal swim. And then the instructor's uh, buddy at the time wasn't a very strong swimmer, but he could still cope in the water. But as they were swimming, right, he realized that his buddy disappeared. So he was quite frantic. He went to look for buddy but I couldn't find him for some time and then uh, he actually reported it to the instructor on the boat yeah so the instructor on the boat was like hey where is this guy and then they're like steering the boat and looking for this person and they couldn't find him until a few minutes later they found him floating some distance away but he wasn't dead though he wasn't dead so they just picked him out of the boat and asked him if he's okay and things like that uh, and apparently what I heard is that uh, when he spoke, right, he didn't speak in his normal speaking voice. His tone was uh, much lower. Uh, and if I remember correctly, he was speaking in fluent uh, Hokkien, which is something that he actually doesn't know how to speak on a daily basis. So everyone thought it was weird. Yeah, so apparently this guy was possessed. They didn't know about it till a bit later on because the whole day after the coastal swim, he was acting very weird. And uh, I think when they went back to shore, right, he went a bit crazy. And he was like, ah, screaming and stuff. And then uh, as the story goes, they said they, they took quite a number of guys to like stop him, like to hold him down. So I heard uh, it was like maybe five or six guys needed to stop him from moving. And then this guy was saying, it's like, you know, uh, he kept shouting that uh, I'm not at peace. I'm not at peace. Uh, I need to get out of here. I, still, I feel I'm drowning. I'm drowning. Yeah, although he's on the shore. 
Yeah, so uh, the commander actually called for uh, a medium to go and uh, speak to this spirit uh, at the beach. Yeah, so the spirit explained to this guy that uh, he drowned in one of his uh, adventures. He drowned in the in Changi, and no one can find his body, and his family is uh, missing him. So he wants to go and find his family and make some peace. Yeah. The, the sad thing is that I, I remember that they couldn't find the family but uh, the monk said that we just need to offer some prayers uh, at the beach and the guy will be cured which they did do that uh, and yeah soon enough the guy actually was undisturbed after that like he suddenly woke up and said eh what am I doing at the beach yeah how did I get here I thought I was swimming then it was like wow this is some uh, eerie stuff yeah so I don't know whether they told the guy what happened, uh, but I, I'm very sure eventually who have found out that what happened to him. So if I'm not wrong, they were saying that uh, almost every year that they offer some offering to the to the same location at the beach, uh, so that to make the spirit uh, calm down. Radio. There you go. How, Eugene, is this a classic case of possession? Tim, three seconds into this confession, I already go, ah, the hantu. The moment you mentioned Changi, is it? Yes, Changi. You ask any previous generation, old folks, parents, grandparents, they will tell you, you know, don't swim at the beach during seven months, but at Changi Beach especially, do not swim full stop, you know, any time of the year. And if you are thinking, oh, this is just old wives' tale, even as recent as 2021, there were drowning cases in shallow water. Uh, if you interview the, the boatmen, the bum boat operators, uh, the, and, and for a fact, I just went to Ubin, I think a few months ago, and I first thing I asked the bumble operators you have any stories and he says yes uh, seven months especially for some reason there is a spike in drowning cases in Changi area coincidence or something paranormal but one other story that I, I have heard that resonates with this story that we just heard is one soldier at Changi was possessed and in shape spoke to the guy sat on his chest and he was speaking fluent dialect as well just like this confessor when on normal days he couldn't speak dialect to save his life like asking E.T. or Timo to speak Chinese we, we, we mati lah but one day we can speak fluent Chinese we are possessed so that's, that's why you say us you mean your Chinese super duper one is it what a huai that's all I can say yeah so I mean some of the, okay look at some of the facts here what we're we looking at a guy that speaks in a foreign language a guy that is swimming in Changi and then he has no recollection whatsoever of course we can always say uh, he wants to uh, you know talking or whatever right um, but again this is Changi even if you're talking and you pretend to be possessed there's a very high chance that especially in Changi you will likely be possessed uh, and it's also something that uh, something that he said again resonated with a lot of things I've heard a lot of Inche in army has Sifu or masters on quick dial so for him to 1-800 call a Sifu down to help out uh, this, these are veterans who have been dealing with this not just this boy but probably previous batches as well so I see a common thread in this at least the pattern uh, seems to be true in what I know so I'm willing to give this a 3.5 upon 5 for haunting the remaining 1.5 could be this boy may have heard that there are such cases around and just pretended so but more or less 3.5 for me Okay, so I want to ask about, because you've obviously spoken to a lot of, uh, you know, religious practitioners and things like that, like monks, right? And uh, particularly 
regarding that aspect of the story where they were talking about what the monk was advising them does this um, is this consistent with the practices uh, that you have heard from monks as well is this what they do they will make offerings at that same spot you know to to calm the the spirit down or to go and encourage you to go and find the family of a of a missing person out at sea uh, give them the news and hopefully this will give the uh, the spirit some peace for them to cross over yeah uh, I would say that for every good spiritual masters out there the one thing we want to do and why we they are even in the field is to help people so if they can help a spirit it's good for karma uh, good for merits but most times I would say when spirits come and ask you for help they're not going to be very eloquent and tell you my address uh, is 536 Tampanese you know they're going to go I need help I need help find my parents like where to find your parents we don't know so the best things that most of these spiritual masters can do is to give offerings send the spirit away to the light and that's a very basic maneuver uh, the, all the spiritual masters that I know the first thing that they do when they see a spirit is ask them for their permission if you would like to cross over and when they do they will ask what are the things you need sometimes it requires food sometimes it requires offerings sometimes it may require something that they uh, loved a lot when they were alive for example uh, three cans of specifically tiger beer and marlboro menthol for example just like that and you burn that offering at the beach and send it off directly to that spirit for the spirit to cross over because when people die in water the Paranormal belief is that there are, two, there are two ways to get stuck as water goes. Death in the water or death by suicide. So if you die by suicide in water, you're kind of stuck. So there are some cases where masters just cannot get you to the other side because you're bound by the, the area, which is the water body. Uh, and, and, and that seems to be a very natural paranormal conduit, which is sea and once the sea claims your body for some reason that's very very sticky it's almost like the sea is an entity of its own right yes yes so you die somewhere else you still can you can cross over but you die at the sea it's very difficult to help you pass on okay so when you talk about burning offerings like you mentioned burning cigarettes burning like they literally they burn like you know these these are items is it how are they so sure that it will go to the intended spirit and not gonna makan by somebody else by another spirit good good question Tim there are a few ways to do it when you do seven month offering there's a belief that you put a white chalk around your burning the, the place that you're burning and then you dedicate out loud to out loud by words or to intention to, for who you want and that's where names are very powerful so for example if I'm going to the beach and I'm going to offer this burning offerings to a particular spirit I must know the spirit name so oh. in this case, the, the boy could have said, I am so-and-so. Or even if he doesn't say the name, the spiritual master could have identified a certain paranormal signature pattern that allows him to then, through intention, say, this or what I'm burning is meant for that in his mind. And that will connect it. That's how it works. Mm. Okay, thank you for that. All right, over to you, E.T. What do you think? Okay, so uh, interestingly, I recently um, launched my kayak off uh, Changi Beach. Uh, to do my usual kayak fishing safe lah and I caught my one of my biggest grouper on kayak I caught like a 5 kilo grouper and my guide caught a 11.8 kilo grouper so yeah I mean I think it's quite safe but that being said uh, when I was really young my dad used to tell me about Changi Beach area he said that area is very very dirty and would claim a life every year 
scientifically, the first thing I would think of is riptides. Uh, you know, where there is this occurrence in the sea where you really get pulled out into sea or even get dragged down. Uh, I know that very well, not just by watching YouTube and stuff, but I actually had something like that happen to me in the Saru. So you think that something grabbed your leg, but actually it's just the currents dragging you onto the seabed and dragging you out. So the, so the main thing is not to struggle. Just to stay calm, don't fight it because you can't fight such riptides. Then it will slowly bring you out to this area, right? Just outside where the riptide strength is and then you just slowly swim back to, to shore. Lah. So very high chance uh, it probably was a riptide that usually brings people out. Um, but in this case, I think it's a bit different. I've never really heard something like that. Uh, it's the first time in my life. I've heard of water baptism. I've never heard of aquatic possession. Well, I mean, there was there was a lot more as well. I mean, it wasn't just uh, he went missing. He also came back and he was speaking in a different language. Uh, like Yong Hawk, uh, you know, reminded us, you, you know, they needed five to six people to hold him, to control him as well. Do you think maybe something happened to him, made him delusional, gave him superhuman strength maybe? What what, what would you say? What, what kind of logical alternative would you provide? To be honest with this story, I really think it's a possession. And it's very interesting because most possessions occur terrestrial grounds, right? In a flat line, a house line, a jungle. But in the middle of sea, I never heard before. Because if it was a real serious possession, the fellow would have drowned because they lose control, right? But mm. for some reason, he was possessed, but he didn't drown. Because technically, if you're possessed, you lose control of your muscles and your control and everything. You shouldn't be able to swim and float. But this guy survived for some reason. So maybe it was a message he, he, he needed to send out and then uh, whatever the residual haunting or the entity that was there used him as a medium to speak in a language he was not familiar and thus had that superhuman strength so in this case I really do think it probably was some sort of possession to be fair he wasn't possessed in the water itself based on the confessions that I heard he seems to have a attachment then he acted weird first remember mm. then at a later date, then he started speaking something else. Do you think that perhaps, right, you know, I mean, like E.T. mentioned, usually it's easy to drown and stuff like that because, you know, he went through such physical trauma, mental trauma as well, you know, struggling for his survival that by the time he washed ashore, it had some sort of mental effect on him. He became bipolar for a little while, you know, personality disorder. Doesn't sound like it lah. This, this one sounds like typical possession la. so sad to say why, why sad to say it's a possession la. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe 2012 or 2011 uh, I don't know if you remember that uh, there was a coxswain I mean the guy who steals the boat in uh, Brunei who, who passed away right so the story goes is that actually right when he passed away and he fell into the water, right? They couldn't find him eh, for a few days. Yeah, they couldn't find him for like two or three days, is what I heard. So, uh, what we did was we got a video to fly over from Singapore to Brunei to help us find his body because they said that, yeah, there's. It's so weird that he would disappear because they were searching the, the river for quite a amount of time. And like even if there were, if were like the crocodiles who ate his body, there would definitely be remnants somewhere. Yeah, and it's not a big river. Yeah, it's not a big, big river. Yeah, Brunei is not a big river. So they're wondering, hey, where did this guy go? Ah? Yeah, so they're saying that it could be something spiritual. So that's why they went to go and call the medium and ask him for help. Lah. 
So what I heard was the medium, right? He went to speak to a tree. So apparently he spoke to a very uh, big tree because he said there was a spirit there, and the spirit was the one that advised the medium that uh, within the next twenty-four hours or something like that, the body will come back to you. So the medium took the advice of the tree, and they said just wait, lor. And true enough, after I think after a day, the body actually came ashore with no like bite marks or anything. Well, of course the, the decomposition was there lah. But the funny thing is that they were searching the river for so long, they couldn't find him. Then once the medium got the advice from the spirit, he came back. Yeah, so they yeah they managed to take his body and fly it back to Singapore lah. Radio paranormal Singapore. All right, so this uh, happened in Brunei. What do we know about the waters of Brunei, guys? Brunei River. The, I've been to Brunei for guts um, camp uh, training. I don't remember the river being rapids. And he's right. It's a very shallow, narrow river. You can get your drinking water from there. You can literally take your cup, put it into the river, and drink it up. Wow! I've been in the river myself. I've swam, washed up. For someone to drown there, I can't. I, I, it, nothing comes to mind exactly which part of Brunei would have a river that deep that uh, someone would drown and the body cannot be found but I have my own Brunei story to share that is similar to this that has something to do with a tree and we were told the Brunei jungle the trees are sentient so you don't want to mess around with the Brunei jungle uh, we were four men we were in camp going out there and one of the, our teammates went off to a particular tree to pluck leaves and he felt that that, that tree had big enough leaves uh, it was fresh he we were just maybe less than 10 meters away from where he was he plucked the leaf he turned around he couldn't see us what is in Kuitzayan and he walked around he walked around to find us he shouted 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 no one could hear him he kept walking back to the tree over and over again and then he decided to put down the leaf say he's sorry turn around and right there in front of us where he walked a dozen times we were there and when he walked out to us he called out to us he was like hey where are you and we realized that we, we none of us had thought about him in the many hours that have passed uh, since his disappearance do you usually think of him like is he one of those like quiet people who kind of just fade off in the background no but imagine if you are going in a team of four you would depend on each other because you are a, a unit that has to move and you have to depend on each other and some of your your logistics is with you, you're split up right you have your grenader you have your radio guy I can't remember what he, what he was holding but we would always look out for each other but for all three of us to not even recall that we have a fourth man in the team that was very strange so you think he pissed off the tree spirit and yeah. that's what happened to him this, that was his punishment yeah and if we are talking about that guy let's say potentially choking it's not going to be possible because three hours to hide somewhere in Brunei alone is, is worse than being with four men like what, what are you going to do on your own sit down and, and, and hide we weren't, we weren't really moving around we were building camps so it's not like there was a strenuous activity for him to want to hide away uh, and then three of us none of us recall him so that was another point where we feel it was very strange and after that he fell sick he cut his hand a lot of things that happened to him like very sway so when it comes to Brunei uh, don't play play so the forest is very sentient for this guy to drown I'm thinking I'm just hazarding a guess right um, 
the entities I know in Brunei, they are not malicious. They are not there to kill you or take a life. Uh, these are nature spirits. They are just there. This person might have pissed off a spirit, offended a spirit enough for a spirit to claim his life. I'm thinking that will be it. Although that's not part of the confession, but I'm, I'm looking for a reason why he was picked out amongst everyone else. Did you not find it a bit odd that, I mean, despite the fact that, you know, he maybe he drowned, he died, his body went missing for the longest time, that eventually when they did find it, it had de- gone through some decomposition, but the fish had not eaten it, no bite marks at all. And I think someone just mentioned in the, I think it was Elaine or something like that, that there are crocodiles in the river there. So is that not odd that, you know, that the body, aside from decomposition, was still in one piece? It's not odd for me because I am, I'm already having the mindset that when he disappeared, he's not on our plane anymore. He's on the other plane where there are no fishes, no crocodiles. Even if they are, they are spirit versions of that. But can still decompose. He's in, the, he's in the water. The water is real. He, he's going to, his physical form is going to react to the elements around it. But he, it's almost like walking into a twilight zone. He's just in another zone. But if he's in another plane, would there still be water there? That's my question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe not crocodiles, maybe not the fish, but still the water Mm. to have that impact on his body. Mm. Uh, Again, I I cannot say for certain like, oh yeah, we have a, there is a world beyond ours that has waterfalls and plants. No, I can't. Uh, But it seems that when taking the example that I just gave of of the guy who disappeared, he was in another place where there are trees. There's everything else that we see. That's why the tree spirit knew. Mm. And also pretty odd as well, Ernest brought it up in the uh, comment section that if the body had decomposed, technically decomposed bodies float more. It would have been easier to actually find him, but yet still couldn't find the body for such a long period of time. Over to you, E.T. Okay, um, so yeah, Brunei, um, like what they said, the trees do have some stuff in them. I uh, had a friend who told me a story, he was there, and then there's this well-known tree near that camp where there was a Pontiana that's being trapped in the tree. It's got a nail on it or something like that, and then the Inche did the best thing, uh, asking go and hang a banner on that nail. <laughs> I mean, nothing happened, but can you imagine? You really hear the, that folklore, and then your inche asks you to go hang something using that same nail. Wow. Anyway, um, in this case, um, how he passed on, I, I really don't know. Uh, but actually, everything can be explained by science. Uh, technically, our bodies, uh, at the time of death, it has neutral buoyancy. So it really depends whether you, you take in air for your lungs or not. So when someone drowns, what happens is your lungs actually fill up with water. So as your lungs fill up with water, there's lesser air in it. So what happens is you sink. You know, so you imagine you just go to a swimming pool and then you exhale. You see how fast you sink down the swimming pool, right? Because there's no more air in your lungs. So what happens is it probably got wedged against something because I'm sure with all streams, there is some sort of current, whether strong or not. Um, and the re- the reason why it only resurfaced later is because the bacteria and everything that starts a decomposition uh, process actually produces gases in the carcass. So it causes swelling and bloating. And this process takes some time. That's why your body doesn't float immediately. So after decomposition, uh, what happens is, you know, because of the air in the lungs and, and all the swelling on your body and stuff like that, it becomes more buoyant and therefore the body will eventually float. So that is the reason why it sinks first and only float later. 
Okay, then why never get eat by fish or crocodile? Doesn't mean that, that there's fish and crocodile that definitely eat a body. I mean, it depends where his body wa- was wedged at. It doesn't mean because I, I don't know how big this river is. The river is so huge, it's not like teeming with crocodiles. If it's not near the nest of where the crocodile is, you know, uh, they'll probably just passed on, I guess. The, the, the crocodile will just go past and not knowing that it was there. Okay, then how come so Chun Wan, right? The medium talked to the tree and know exactly when the body was going to reappear. The medium did not get a time. He just said later was, I mean, I also can say that what? Later, the body was surface. Obviously, because after decomposition, right? The, the gases and everything below the body show flow after a while. So maybe the medium was a scientist. Did he, do you remember the story? Did he say you will find him or find his body? The tree said within 24 hours, I think. Yeah. Within 24 hours, that's quite true, what? I mean, as compared to, you will find him eventually. Yeah, yeah. He had a, he had a timeline. After a while, decomposition, it will cause the body to float. Oh, so he's, he already CSI'd already. Like, he mm. took down the notes of the time. He disappeared. <laughs> I must say that my family is very adventurous when it comes to ghosts, especially uh, when during their younger days. Uh, like I heard like my uncles used to like go to the cemetery to hang out. I don't understand how is that even fun. But they used to like go and drink at the cemetery and things like that. Last. And the cemetery seems to be a pretty hip place. People are dying to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from my uncle's story. So they, the Kampong boys like to hang out, right? So they, I think two of my uncles and like two of their friends uh, went to the cemetery at night. Uh, I very specifically remember one of them is Caucasian because yeah, at, at the closer end of the story, you know why. Yeah, so then went to go uh, to the cemetery yeah actually the the Caucasian guy was a bit uh, hesitant but they were like hey just go lah don't be a don't be a pussy just go then they okay everyone go and take beer and, and they start like uh, having like talking loud and stuff man. they were saying that when, when they were drinking right they noticed like uh, something uh, hopping around uh, at the trees in some distance so one of them spotted it first and then they were like hey do you see that they were like hey yeah what's that ah? they're hopping 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 and then suddenly that thing that was hopping around the tree started hopping towards them. And then they're like, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't run. Yeah. So the funny thing is they didn't run. I have no clue why. If it was me, I'll be sketched because I'll be running. But yeah. So they just stared at it and they were really wondering what that was. So the closer and closer it hopped towards them, right? Uh, I don't. I can't remember what's the name of that spirit. The pochong, right, Malayan. The one with just a head with the entrails. Yeah, this is just a head with all the intestines and stuff that's still attached to it. Yeah. So that was what they saw. Just a head with all the intestines that's like yeah, like stuck to the neck. It was hopping towards them. And as I said, I don't know why they didn't run, but apparently, yeah, that thing right hopped uh, over them, and uh, the Caucasian guy right. Apparently, he said that it touched him like he felt that entrails thing like swap past him and and then he was like oh guys i think we really need to go home i don't know why they waited till the ghost passed by them like, to go home uh. they all after that they just chose home alcohol liquid liquid courage yeah maybe yeah so because they were drinking right yeah so apparently uh the next three or four days uh the caucasian guy had a high fever yeah, my uncles went to visit him and then like the mother scolded them and said, Why you all go to the cemetery at night and then this happens? Eventually he got better, la, but he was sick for quite some time because they blamed it on the, that thing touching him and then he got very unwell. Yeah, and then uh, 
I don't know whether they went to cemeteries after that at night, but I remember when I was very young, they were still like, hey, guys, let's go to the cemetery with the kids. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> don't, don't look behind you. This is RPS. All right, that was definitely a very interesting story, hanging out in the cemetery. And I think all of us can uh, agree, concur, that it was not a pochong that they saw, but the entity they're referring to is the Penangal, right? I personally felt sad for the Penangal. Maybe he just wanted to make friends. And let me ask you, do you know why Penangals always like to make friends? Because they got nobody. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> that joke had to come out at some point. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm going to be counting on you, okay, Te, to really champion the hantu aspects of this. Okay. Tim, I'm sorry to disappoint you, man. Oh, you know, I thought this whole five stories would be a walkover for me, but uh, in very, very rare, in very rare circumstances, I I find myself feeling that there's a lot of holes in a confession and this is one of those uh, and I'll, I'll give you the reason why well I definitely do not debunk or put down their experiences I, I'm also wondering what did they see what did they feel and was it the hantu reason for that is simple uh, he says it's the penangal but penangal don't hop I mean maybe when they say hop means it, like bouncing like that like, it wasn't just like moving in a straight line it can also float up and down right and then when we look at penangal one of the law of penangal that is very popular is that the entrails is dripping with venom or something something acidic and burning uh, so if he were to the entrails were to touch him he would have been burnt but maybe the venom is like metaphorical you know if it, it poisons your mind Oh, no, no, no. But when Penangal fl- flows through an area, it drips and that part of the patch of the grass will have been have burn marks. So mm. it's not like a metaphorical burn. It's a, oh. It burns. Uh, and then, so I'm thinking this guy could have, this Amor guy who could have heard the stories, seen these things, and perhaps he might have seen something. I'm not saying he didn't see something. He saw an orb he saw something that cannot explain and he immediately went into the law that he understood which is oh penangal I know and then when the thing came close enough and touched him because of the fear the anticipation the panic he started to fall sick maybe he drank alcohol so the thing touched him he didn't feel the burn <laughs> no, there'll be a scar after that lah. yeah can he be scared until he falls sick? Can you fall sick because you're so scared? Yes. Uh, in, in, in many uh, cases where people are so frightened to the point of shock and catatonic, they fall sick because the body just shut down. Now, what I'm thinking, if I, if I may to, to put my own spin on this story, he saw something. He saw something that frightened him. And what he saw could be paranormal in nature. He just didn't know what to term it. But I just do not think it's the Penangal nor the Pochong. He, if he's seen something, he saw something else. Maybe a floating head. Maybe an entity that he interpreted as a floating head. So I'm giving this story a 2 upon 5 for paranormal. The 2 because it could be a entity, but it's not a malicious one that's out to harm them. Because it's floating close enough to, to touch, I suppose. Sadler. Sad lah, I was counting on you, bro. Why, why don't you just completely hand it over to E.T. Like, just say, oh, yeah, he felt sick because alcohol poisoning. <laughs> just give it to him on a silver platter. Lah. Okay, E.T., E.T. Yeah, so this story, really interesting. It sounds like they went for drinks and they had some cravings for some kuei chap like that, lah, you know, uh, which is, you know, the pig awful stew kind of thing. Um, and I really don't understand why do they want to go there, feed mosquito and drink. Lah. I mean, it's the most uncomfortable place to, to be in. 
Um, and yes, as Tim said, alcohol does impair your perception. So it's very hard to ascertain whether what they saw was legit. Uh, and and you know I think they kind of agreed a bit as well. Uh, after Tay and I drink, we also start to see things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we have a life proof. Uh, you know, we experimented with ourselves, you know, in all due course of you know, the name of science. Sorry, wait, 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 you experimented with yourselves? Uh, that sounds very dodgy. Yeah, so we drink, <laughs> they and I drink, all in the name of science and paranormal research. We drink to see whether we really see things which, you know, are not there. So, yes, I think we do agree that sometimes that occurs. You know, when... when E.T. and I used to go hang out at haunted places to do investigation. No, we should not be doing this, but see, I will go there professional, don't put perfume, don't smoke because we don't want to disturb the environment. You don't we want to be able to smell, right? Then this guy will come, hey, Tay, I got you some bottles, let's drink. Yeah, well, you see spirits must have spirits, ma. Uh, but one thing for sure, la, if we see a spirit, E.T. and I will not run away. La. We'll be like, hey, let's go forward and investigate. Yeah, but why would you Why would you jeopardize your investigation like that? Because, you know, we always say, right, the moment someone talks alcohol, immediately it casts doubt, Right. So if you are actually going out there to see things, then the last thing you want to do is be able to tell people that you had. No lah, not every single investigation. Sometimes people think a uh, paranormal investigation very exciting one. It's very boring. Most of the time, nothing happens. So we just drink. We're not over drinking. Okay. Look, one out of a hundred. Okay. It could be maybe you have one out of a hundred times you actually see something. Ninety-nine times nothing. Okay. It is so exciting. We were sober. <laughs> Okay, so now I'm going to use that excuse, okay? Next time somebody say, right, oh, we were drinking, then we saw a hantu, ah, huh? and then you say, oh, cannot be, see? I can cast doubt already. There was alcohol involved. I will say, maybe they sobered up. It was so scary. Yeah. Sobered up. So you cannot use the alcohol excuse anymore. Cannot already. Write this down. Okay, no? Write it down. Write down so that Pranakan's the alcohol tolerance will be higher than most. <laughs> so they, they only can use the excuse if they're Pranakan's. Actually, to be honest, uh, it's, it's not uh, investigations that we drink. Usually, it's tours. But then, you know, tours also can have encounters, what, right? We went on a tour. I went on a tour with you guys. We had encounters, right? Exactly. I said, tour, usually nothing happened. But when you go along, something occurred. So, so we got to bring team. Oh, so it's me, is yeah, it? Ah, it's you. Yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, anyway, back to the story before we get carried away. So having fever and getting sick is quite normal. When you do something overnight, right? I mean, depending on the age. He said uncle, so I don't know what age they were. I mean, I wouldn't get surprised if they, they get sick after a day of heavy drinking. Lah. So why not? Yeah, so it, it sounds very normal. It doesn't sound anything that's paranormal in this story. But it's such a fun story. There was a penanga. Someone got sure. sick. Right? How many times you... Like most of the time, we always hear, oh, you know, we saw a pochong or we saw maybe even an orang minya, right? You know, or a lady pee. But this is the first time in a long time I've heard a story involving a penanga. And then y'all just step on it all like that. Like, they should have gone there and drank sugarcane or something like that. La. Then Why sugarcane? Because no alcohol, ma. they're more exciting. Uh, ma. Yeah. Or run after it with an aloe vera plant. See, I remember. Uh, uh, why, why, why? Explain why aloe vera plant. So aloe vera plant or pineapples would keep away the penangal because the penangal has entrails that are very sensitive and delicate. And aloe vera and pineapple have very thorny leaves. So if you bring it close to the penanga, the penanga will fly away because it doesn't want to get its entrails trapped in the aloe vera. Okay, uh, Yong Hawk also says, do you think perhaps drinking alcohol will not only impair their mind but would allow the possession by a spirit? Oh, that's a different story entirely. But yes, uh, when you drink alcohol or you take drugs, it lowers your inhibition at the same time it lowers your spiritual defenses and you ask any spiritual master, they'll tell you, well, the best way to get possessed is when you are intoxicated or high on drugs. 
And that's also why, you know, sometimes when I go to a club and I drink so much and I wake up the next morning not knowing what I've did and I misbehave the night before, it is not me. It's the hantu. That's why I have to take note as well. Next time E.T., when he goes, oh, alcohol, I say, that's exactly why it was a hantu. If there was no alcohol, right? There was no case of possession. Mm. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Betul <laughs> So, in this case, what, everybody agrees it was not the hantu, is it? <laughs> oh, I'm giving a 2.5. Hey, waste time, no. I bring you onto the show for what? No, really, really. Hey, what, do you, what, what are you here for? No, seriously. <laughs> Come here and then concede and then Tim, help E.T. We are what here is the to point? discuss. Why must you sway to one side, eh? <laughs> Uh, yeah, my uncles again. I don't know why my uncles are very susceptible to ghosts. Uh. So, uh, apparently they were making their way back from Malaysia to Singapore, right? Yeah. And back then, the highways of Malaysia uh, were not well lit. So, you remember, I mean, if you have driven in Malaysia, there are some portions of the highway, they, they don't have lights. It's just they use the reflection to uh, bounce off the, I mean, to create some light. Uh, if you can remember, because sometimes I drive to Malaysia, that, that's how to do it. Yeah. But back then, they, they didn't have lights and I think the reflection also, not many. So it's quite pitch black. So it's just running on your headlamps. So they were driving back to Singapore uh, from some part of Malaysia. It was some stretch. And then they noticed that there was a white van in front of them. Uh, it's just one of some of the highways weren't very uh, big. It was a highway, but it was like a two-lane highway. Yeah, it wasn't very uh, many lanes. Uh. So they were driving and they saw this van. And then they were like, oh yeah, this van is traveling pretty slow. Let's try and overtake it. So they drive, 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 drive. And then, no matter how fast they got their car to move, the van will always be in front. Then they're like, how does this van even know to keep pace with us when he's in front, right? So they noticed that the van started to slow down. And then they're like, okay, it's our time. Let's overtake it. So they went to overtake it. And so when they're overtaking it, and then they were next to the van, right? My uncle, who was sitting in the passenger seat, looked into the van and then he realized that the people who were driving the van had no features. Like, their face was flat. Mm-hmm. But he could see like shapes, right? not shape, but like, like mouth, you can see the eyes, but they just had no, no texture to their face, they just flat. Then he was like, he was like, hey, you see that? Then the driver was like, my other uncle was like, dude, hey, hey. Really? Then they, like, they both like, this is very weird. So, uh, there was a turn and then the van just turned into the turn and it drove away and then they just continued. Then they're like, okay, I don't feel good. Let's go somewhere and take a stop. So, they managed to find a, a rest stop. They stopped there and like, they were drinking. Hey, do you see what I saw? They're like, yeah. There's like no like features, nothing. And then it was so fast. And so when they were talking or discussing about it, right, uh, I think one of the restaurant goer, I think they overheard the conversation. And then they were like, oh, you saw the van on the road? Ah? Then they are like, uh, yeah, the van. Hey, the van, ah, make sure you don't follow it. Because the van ah, always on the highway turn to the, the cemetery. Ah. Then they are like, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, don't follow it. Ah. If you see it, don't disturb it. Ah. Don't, don't go and uh, mess around. Uh, they just want to go cemetery, that's all. Then my uncle's like, okay, that's great. <laughs> then they're like, okay, we'll just leave <laughs> And then they, yeah, then after they continue their travels back to Singapore. Uh. Yeah, so even he was saying that uh, when they were driving behind the vehicle, right, although it's dark, right, but they didn't notice the tire spinning. Like, you know, when you drive behind a car, you'll notice the tire spinning. Right? Then they're like, they're, they don't remember seeing the tire spin. 
they just thought it was just driving but they didn't see so they were like just uh, uh, spooked out by it but okay you know if they see it again they just <laughs> don't follow it yeah don't, don't follow the barrier this is Radio Paranormal Singapore you know, knowing E.T. is probably going to say it was a big elaborate prank. Everybody at the coffee shop, <laughs> they already planned already. If any Singaporean come, uh, we must talk to them about like this uh, van, right, that goes up and down. It's just to prank them, okay? The interesting thing is the description of flat faces. La. Like, can I langa lorry at the face, huh? Flattened, ma. Um, interestingly, I went to go research about such uh, hantus uh, because it doesn't sound that something very familiar from uh, our part of the world, like Singapore, Malaysia. Uh, but in Japanese folklore, there's a faceless ghost called Noparabo or something like that. Don't know how to pronounce, but Noparabo. So apparently, they are known for scaring humans, but they are harmless. They would usually impersonate someone that's familiar to you, and then after a while, once you see them, right, their facial features will just just disappear and they become faceless. So apparently, there's some sort of a shape-shifting demon, uh, more than a ghost. So I don't know what you call a shape-shifting demon, a hantu or not, but it's definitely not a ghost. But it's paranormal, uh, supernatural. Uh. Uh, I'm saying the Japanese folklore. Yeah, just giving reference. So the next thing is this, why were they going to the cemetery? I mean, if he saw them going to the cemetery, but why? Right, so I'm just wondering whether these shape-shifting demons are actually soul collectors. Uh, you know, many people, uh, when they pass on, uh, you know, so they do see soul collectors coming to them uh, just before their death. They tend to mum- mumble something and they'll say things like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you guys here? And stuff like that. Because uh, I've heard it with my own ears. Uh, but I don't know if they are really soul collectors or not. I'm not sure. So in this case, uh, that description was so accurate. Uh, I wouldn't say it's... I mean, you know, so here's the thing. There are many, many types of ghosts, like, you know, you hear the penangal and stuff like that. So these guys, maybe they have a different mission. You know, it's not to attack someone, but maybe their job is to, I don't know, give a warning or soul collector. I don't know. But why they always time go to cemetery? I don't know. Because technically, you don't collect souls from the cemetery. Yeah. Maybe they were there to serve as a warning. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Something is going on in that road. So we're very scary. We're going to go in that way. So you will avoid that stretch at all costs. So it's for your own safety. Possible, but th- those the guys that they met uh, said that they're always going towards the cemetery. So why that, I don't know. Uh, so in this case, I, I do think it's actually some sort of a uh, hantu. But what exactly it is, why it's faceless, I have no idea. Um, I was initially thinking soul collectors, but to me, you don't go there and collect souls. So I really don't know what they are, but maybe yeah, they, they are some sort of a warning. They also mentioned that this, whatever it was, this van also, somehow they maintained the same speed, same distance from them. Wheels also can't see the wheels moving as well. Phantom van? I have no idea. That's why I think it's a hantu. Oh! I'll go with that. I think it's a hantu will be, will be acceptable. <laughs> Fantastic. But then again, you know, I, I've also heard, right, you must always be very respectful of featureless entities because you must... Give face. Boom-chang! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Over to you. Yeah. I can talk about this topic with a little bit more uh, conviction, primarily because over the last many years, I have had received a num- number of confessions from people with very similar 
encounters. Uh, although to see in the van, that would be the first time. But Desmond actually said it out loud. Uh, this sounds like the funeral effigy. Now, uh, E.T. also said that it's a soul collector. So these two are very much the element of my discussion in this one. Uh, in my final episode on Friday Night Live on Supernatural Confessions, we also had a Grim Reaper-like character. Now, most of us in Asia, we we have the idea of uh, the Green Reaper character as the Ape, the Tua the Ape, right? Or the, the new Toma Mian, uh, the black-white uh, entities or the horse head and the cow face. Uh, in the West, we have something called the Green Reaper that comes down in a black cloak with a scythe. But there have been many, many confessions, uh, many heralding from the Malaysia side of things where a funeral parlor owner have seen effigy type entity enter the shop and when it stood beside a particular coffin that's when he know the funeral parlor fuller that there's business tomorrow and why this entity keeps going back to the cemetery and all that it's not collecting the souls from the cemetery it's putting the souls into the cemetery it's collecting from somewhere else and bringing it over there i see this as a very benevolent kind of entity that does not intend to harm the living why the living could see it probably because the right place right time the own is low the chi is low and they can see it but the fact that a lot of people can see it uh, is a testimony to the truth of that entity now for it to be driving a van that is new for me because spirits do not need vehicles to travel but it could also be perhaps the van is a symbolic transport it could be i'm very interested to find out how the van looks like could it be a funeral van that they missed out and for it to not have the wheels turning and everything yeah it's, it's phantom van it's just moving probably even levitating along and it's always going to be out of sight to the human eye now this story was a bit peculiar because he was able to drive beside it and turn to see the driver's face perhaps this uh, this entity allowed allowed it yeah allowed them to see yeah the other thing that I would like to believe and nothing in the story sort of support this hypothesis is that could this effigy grim reaper character be doing something to prevent that car from having an accident by moving at a different speed and thereby avoiding death when it's not their time. So my take on this particular story is I feel very certain and confident that the entity they saw is similar to the funeral effigy, the paper boy and paper girl that you see at funeral. And this is the Asian representation of the Reaper and is bringing the souls into the cemetery every night. And that's why so many people have seen it. Yeah, so this is a 5 upon 5 definite hantu to me. Now that is a good way to wrap up a show, Allah. Because seriously, we had to wrap up the same way you guys were going on about, ah, yeah, maybe it wasn't a hantu. Then it would have been terrible. <laughs> Final live show of the year as well. And at least we get to go out with a bang. Oh, it's a, this is a good story. I love it. Yeah, it's a good story. Oh, you know, did, did we have more hantus or did we have more like science tonight? E.T. lean over to hantu on the third. I lean over to rational on the fourth because that was just hard for me to go straight up with hantu. Fifth, I think I did, we both definitely agree. It's okay. So based on my math, I think tonight it was a clean sweep. Lah. It was basically clean sweep. It was all the hantu. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Call it a clean sweep. Just that there were hantus in the story. But I would call it a clean sweep. Radio Paranormal. And that takes us to the end of another installment of RPS. 
Once again, to catch the live show in its entirety, head to the Radio Paranormal Singapore page on Facebook. Don't forget to like, follow and share our content too. It always helps to reach a wider audience so we can accumulate more stories for the show. I want to say a big thanks to Dax for the stories tonight and also to Eugene Tay from Supernatural Confessions for joining us. And if you have stories to add, either your personal encounters or just ones you've heard, once again, reach out to us. Contact details on our Facebook page. And with that, RPS wishes you happy holidays and we'll be back in the new year. My name is Tim O. And for E.T., Sham and Kim, keep streaming and keep screaming. You're listening to Radio Paranormal Singapore. And they're listening to... RPS Extra. My own post family, they have like experienced like spirits, not really like ghost ghosts. So like uh, my mom was saying like uh, in the old houses, they always used to have like a spirit in the house, right? Yeah. yeah so my mom will have instances where she will see someone in the house, but she knows it's not a real person. Yeah. And it's always at like, the corner of the eye. Like, it's like, you know, the... Yeah. Peripheral vision, peripheral vision, or yeah, yeah so, the peripheral. They always call it uh, the shadow people. So in my old house, right, uh, I used to have my uncle staying with me, uh, who was an Indian guy, lah. So uh, yeah, my my auntie married an Indian guy, so he used to stay with us, uh, for a while. My mom was saying that she was doing something, and she noticed someone go into the kitchen. Last time my house was a mansionette, lah. She saw someone go from the stairs to the kitchen, and then she she saw, it, and then she was like. She called my uncle's name. Hey, Basil, are you okay? You want to drink water? Then there was no answer. Then she's like, I swear I saw someone go inside the kitchen. Then she a bit spooked out. Then she, oh, well, never I just continue what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my sister also saw him. Uh, my sister saw him uh, when she was on a computer because my computer is situated next to the stairs at that time. So when she was using the computer, out of the corner of her eye, she can see people walk up the stairs, walk down the stairs, and she'll be like, uh, I think I'll go back to my room now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, like, okay, like, I think you, at the time, someone probably walking down the stairs. Huh? Because if you walk up the stairs, I don't think she'll go back to her room because her room is upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he, he, whatever's come down, safer upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, in the end, uh, I mean, they got used to it. Uh, I guess, uh, as you said, they recognize the shadow people or the spirit of the home. That's, yeah, it's just that guy, though. Yeah. Just, yeah, just leave it alone. Uh. No, it, it means no harm. Yeah, yeah, it means no harm. So, like, I mean, I think they believe also that sometimes the spirit in the house is to protect the household. Uh, my mom's cousin is like a medium. 
Mm-hmm. Is it cousin or friend? Uh? She's a medium, so she can like see things. Yeah, so when uh, my mom brought this subject to her, and then uh, she was telling my mom, I was like, oh, yeah, there's a spirit of the house. Uh, the stairs is where he sits. Uh, so, uh, but you don't disturb him, he won't disturb you. Uh. And we're like, okay, la, we try not to disturb him. But how you know, right? You walk up and down the stairs. Yeah, I mean, you accidentally step on him, like, oh, sorry. Yeah, no. 